0: Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, what's up, Journey Queens? My name is Ricky Ortiz, and my wife, Chris, and I pastor Meta Church on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and it's great to be back with you guys. I think this is maybe my fourth time uh, preaching and speaking at Journey Queens over the last, like, kind of four years or so. Uh, So that's a good sign, uh, because listen, if you ever, let me let you in on a pastor secret. If you ever have a guest speaker and you don't see them ever again, then it probably means their message wasn't on par or wasn't what the pastor wanted. So Pastor Mike, I'm sorry for letting the cat out of the bag, but that means as well that it's an honor for me to be back, and it means that I've done at least a good enough job to come back. So thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's It's a pleasure, and it's an honor to be with you guys this Sunday as I bring the word. And I wanna start by asking a couple of questions. So I want everyone to participate. And I know you might be watching at home, you might be watching on the subway, you might be watching on the road or some other part of the country. Um, but if you would just just kind of, you know, listen, I'm preaching to you, just, just kind of entertain me for a second. And so I'm gonna ask you a couple questions, I'll ask you to raise your hand, okay? So wherever you are, home, subway, whatever, um, raise your hand, okay? So here's the first question. How many of you went into 2020 thinking this was going to be your year okay hands raised if you thought 2020 yeah this is my year god's got something in store for me i'm i'm expecting i'm ready for the next year okay so hands raised got it at home in your heart maybe if you're driving okay so you got your hand raised okay keep them raised how many of you had a global pandemic on the list of events that would happen or occur in 2020 yeah, I don't think any hands are going to be up at this moment. So uh, we all or a lot of us went into this year thinking this was going to be our year, but none of us had a global pandemic on our list. In fact, uh, I, I love Beams, M-E-M-E, uh, and, and so I saw one from a pastor several months back, um, but he, he, he tweeted out or he said something like, you know, so let me get this straight all these prophetic conferences in 2019 and nobody could have given me a word about what was gonna happen. And it's like, it's so true, right? Like nobody had insight into what was gonna take place. Um, And and I don't wanna belabor the pandemic because we've talked a lot about that. But I wanna talk about going into 2020 because listen, I had my hand raised. I thought 2020 was gonna be my year. I thought it was going to be, I was full of hope and expectation and anticipation for what was going to take place, what was going to occur and what God wanted or what I thought or what I believed God was going to do in my life and my family's life. We had high hopes for our family. You know, my wife, and we have a nine-year-old daughter, and so we've been praying and trying for a second child, and so we just felt that 2020 was going to be something that allowed for that to happen. We were living in a one-bedroom, so we wanted to move to a two-bedroom, so we had hopes for our family, right, that we would have another child, that we would be moving into a bigger apartment, and so, okay, so that, so that was that. We had hopes for our ministry. As I mentioned, we, we started a church here on the Upper East Side. And so 2020 was going to be, we felt like the year that we would have our greatest impact. You know, that we were ready and positioned to really make a difference in our community, in our neighborhood. And we already were, but we were ready to take it to the next level. So we had hopes for our ministry. And then we had hopes for our friendships, right? We had several relationships that we had been building over the course of the last four years. And, and so we had, you know, just felt like, man, like it's, it's incredible that, that we're living life along some incredible people, some great people. And so we're so thankful and grateful for that. And we can't wait to see what this next year brings to those relationships. And then all of a sudden, like things change. And listen, I'm going to get real deep with you and real raw because if you know me, you know that I like to speak the truth about myself and my life and what's happening. And I I, I try not to cover things up because I want to be authentic and I want to speak from a place of authenticity because I believe that's where the Holy Spirit can minister to our hearts and minister to our spirits. And so I'm going to share some things with you um, because... Listen, we went into it with high hopes, in fact, on December 31st, 2019, we were at our favorite restaurant down um, in, in Chelsea, celebrating all of 2019 me, my wife and my daughter, and we were just celebrating what we were believing, what we were believing God was going to do in 2020. And then it was at that dinner table that I received a phone call letting me know that my dad had unexpectedly passed away from a heart attack. So while we were at the dinner table celebrating what we thought God was going to do, before we even stepped into this 2020 calendar year, I received a phone call letting me know that my father had passed away. I mean, you talk about earth-chattering. You talk about changing the narrative. You talk about, you know, flipping your perspective on what you are looking ahead to. That was certainly not on my radar. You know, you talk about, you know, these high hopes for family. And we thought, okay, well, we're going to, you know, maybe this will be our year to start. And so we, you know, we're we're trying and my wife did get pregnant. And so we were celebrating, you know, that we're going to have a second child. and, And so we were so excited about that only for her to suffer a miscarriage and for us to lose the baby on Mother's Day of all days. In fact, it was Mother's Day that night that we had to rush to the ER and sit in a hospital room and lose the baby that we had been praying for and believing for. It wasn't just obviously our, our, our family, it was our ministry that we had hopes for. And and then, you know, as our city was overcome by the pandemic. I mean, if you were around New York at the time, if you stayed in the city, then you remember how eerie and how fearful it was here in New York. There were no sounds. In fact, the only sound you heard was the never-ending sirens rushing to and from, picking up people, rushing them to hospitals. There were no honking. There was no yelling on the streets. And because of the nature of what was taking place here in the city, just like I'm sure at your church and just like I'm sure in your life, a lot of people wrestled with, should I stay or should I go? And, and a lot of people chose to leave for whatever reason, for various reasons, not wrong reasons. But then the church and the ministry and, and, and the people that we were connected to and serving with were, were displaced or, or moved. And, 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 of course, you had all these people who now lost jobs or lost income or, or worse yet, maybe like yourself, lost family members due to COVID. And, and it wasn't just our ministry stuff. It was our friendships. You know, many of the people that left from our church were some of our closest friends. And they moved away permanently. You know opportunity presented itself elsewhere or just made sense for them to transition away and so we had to mourn and and grieve the loss of our of our of our friends our dearest and closest friends and and it just felt like for our family for me if i'm being honest with you it just felt like the first five or six months of 2020 we were just taking hit after hit after hit our personal family our friendships our church our city and it was just a struggle it was rough. I mean, it was quite honestly, it was just brutal. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel like the whole of 2020 has been rough, up and down. And, and listen, there were some bad things that occurred in my life and in our lives, but there were also some good things. You know, we 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 were able as a family, because of what happened with the lockdown, we were able to spend way more quality time together. I was able to be more involved in my daughter's schoolwork and, and more connected with her and, and, and more present and at home. Because I was at home, I was able to be a better husband and, and a better um, father to my daughter. And so I was able to spend some quality family time um, that I wouldn't have had were it not for this pandemic. So that, so that was a good thing. I mean, shoot, we went on a two week vacation to a lake house, a private lake house that was just kind of gifted to us for that time. And, and we're able to spend two weeks on a lake with jet skis and free of charge um, from some, some family friends. And it was a gift to us. And so we counted that as a blessing because listen, had things been non-COVID, we, would have been able, we wouldn't have been able to take that kind of time to do that. And so we appreciated it and we saw that as a blessing. I mean, there were some other good things that happened. Of course, we moved from a one bedroom because listen, being we is me, my wife, our daughter, and then we have a 70-pound boxer dog. And we were crammed into a one-bedroom. And, and so during those first few months of lockdown, like, it was insane. It was nuts. And now we're in a two-bedroom, a, a real two-bedroom. Can I get an amen on that? And so a real two-bedroom as a family. And so God blessed us with some space. And we were able to sign a lease at a rate that was far less than what we expected. We were going to have to pay before the pandemic. So that's a blessing. That's a good thing. And so amidst these difficulty, amidst these kind of bad things that were springing up and showing themselves over the course of the beginning of 2020 or throughout the year, there were also some good things that were springing up. There were also some, some hopeful things taking place. And I think what was confusing for me personally was that, you know, this, this good would spring up and then it felt like the bad was quickly trying to like choke it out or corrupt it and it would spring up right behind it. And so you had something good and then you had immediately afterwards something bad or something negative and it was like, what is happening here? In fact, I found myself, and maybe you can relate, but I found myself questioning God, like, God, what are you doing? what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in our society? What are you doing in our world? Like, God, I don't get it. It feels like there's, you know, something good that you're asking for, something good that you're, a blessing that you're providing, yet at the same time it feels like there's some, some sort of problem or something, like it just feels like the shoe's gonna drop. Like I'm always looking over my shoulder, wondering what's gonna happen next, what could go wrong? And it was like, the bad things were clouding the good things and creating all sorts of confusion and maybe that's how you felt throughout this year Maybe because of job loss, maybe because you've been displaced in your home and you've had to move somewhere else, maybe because you've lost a family member, maybe because your goals or or what you envisioned heading into 2020 was not or has not turned out to be what you expected or what you anticipated. And so you too have found yourself questioning God and saying like, God, what's going on? It doesn't make sense. It feels like a yo-yoing, a back and forth and up and down, bad, growing with the good. And if that's how you feel, then I want to share some encouragement with you because Jesus spoke about this very thing in one of the parables that he taught. You know, if you're just joining us at Journey Queens, we've been teaching or talking through the parables. And so today I want to share a parable, which is a story that Jesus told that illustrates this very thing. And if you have a Bible or you're using the Bible on your phone, uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And so out of the New Living Translation, starting in uh, chapter 13, verse 24 this is what matthew a friend of jesus said and or how he recounted the story that jesus told he says this here's another story jesus told the kingdom of god is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field but that night as the worker slept his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat then slipped away and when the crop began to grow and produce grain the weeds also grew and the farmers, the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where do they come from? Verse 28, An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. So should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, the farmer replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. So let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will, I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat into the barn. Now, Jesus would go on to explain this. But before I get to that, so here's the story. Okay, let me refresh a recap for you. So a farmer has his workers scatter some seeds because they want to grow wheat. Wheat is valuable. Wheat is profitable. Wheat is sustainable. Wheat is what provides, you know, gives kind of long-term blessing for people. It nourishes them. So they grow this wheat. But the enemy comes in and he sows some seeds, some weeds to grow up, to corrupt the wheat. To choke out the wheat and so these workers find out about it and they're like what should we do should we uproot it should we take them like you know should we should we chop down or pull out the weeds and the farmer says "No, no no don't do that because if you do it's going to uproot all of it and we'll lose everything so at the end instead what I'll do is at the time of harvest I'll have the harvester separate the wheat from the weeds and we'll burn the weeds and we'll store the wheat and so you know, on the surface, it makes sense. But the disciples are like, well, there's got to be something more here. So, so they asked Jesus, Jesus, what, what does this mean? Can you explain this to us? And so I won't read the whole thing. But in verses 36 through 43, Jesus uh, explains the meaning of the parable to his disciples. And so I'll kind of paraphrase what he meant. So Jesus was saying, you know, the, the farmer is, is himself. It's the son of man. It's the son of God, Jesus. And he, sat, he, he sowed some seeds. And those, the wheat are the people that belong to God's kingdom. The enemy, of course, is Satan, and Satan comes and he sows some seed, some weeds to grow up alongside of the wheat. And Jesus explains that the weeds are the people who belong to to the enemy's kingdom. But he says at the time of harvest, God will separate the wheat from the weeds, and those who belong to Satan, those who belong to the enemy, will perish. But those who belong to the kingdom of God will experience everlasting life, and those who belong to the kingdom of God will shine and be radiant. And so he explains the meaning of the parable. And I want to stop for just a second because I need to explain this and I need to make sure that this is crystal, crystal clear. You watching today fall in one of these two categories of people. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you believe on the Lord Jesus, that he died for your sins on a cross, that he was buried for three days, and that he rose from the grave to give you eternal life, if you've confessed that, if you've made that declaration, then you belong to the kingdom of God. In other words, you are safe in Jesus' parable, in Jesus' story. But there are those of you, maybe you've not made that decision. You've not believed on the Lord Jesus. You've not given your life to Christ. You've not surrendered in who he is and what he's done. And according to Jesus, you belong to the kingdom of the enemy. And those people will not have everlasting life, will not be shining and radiant as Jesus said. Now, that's a hard reality, but here's the good news. The good news is that if you would identify with the kingdom of the enemy, you would say, you know what, it's not that I want to be there. It's that I've never given my life to Jesus. The good news is today you can make that declaration and believe on the Lord Jesus and become a part of the family and the kingdom of God. And so this is one application of the parable of Jesus. But there's also a second application And I share that first application because I want it to be crystal clear, but the second application is what I want to focus on for the rest of our time today. The second application has to do with what God allows to grow up in our lives. You see, in our lives, there are some things that grow up and they grow up alongside of or simultaneously some other things that we're not so proud of or not encouraged by or don't desire to be a part of our lives. You see, there are some good things that grow up. Maybe you went into this year thinking, you know what, 2020, I want to grow in my faith. I want to be strengthened. I want to experience more joy. I want to find more hope. I want to have more peace. I want to be closer to God than I've ever been in my life. I want to be more involved in my community or in my church. I want to be more generous in my, in my relationships and, in, and in, in my endeavors and what I do. And so you had some good things that you wanted to grow up. But what you found in 2020 or what you found throughout this year is that seeds of doubt have been sown. Seeds of despair have been sown. Seeds of discord, seeds of, of, of anxiety, of depression, and the weeds of these, um, of these different seeds have grown up and manifested themselves alongside of the seeds or the wheat that you were hoping to produce and to bear in this year. And you've had expectation that good things will grow, but yet you find yourself some bad things growing alongside of it. And you thought, well, you know what, maybe 2020 is going to be my year to get a promotion at work. And instead you find yourself unemployed. Maybe you've been single for long and you thought, you know what, 2020 would be my year uh, to, to get married or, or to meet that person or the one. And yet you're like, I don't want to meet anyone in a pandemic. Stay away. Please don't touch me. And there's some things that are on the surface that are maybe more obvious or less on the surface, but they're more obvious like that, like your job, your family, your relationships. But there are those deeper spiritual things, right, that I mentioned that we, that we desired, that we anticipated, that we had hoped for going into 2020. You know, where you felt like you thought that maybe this would be the year where you would experience some blessing. And you know what? You have seen God's blessing. You're like, you know, I got food on the table. My job has remained steady by the grace of God. I feel like I've been protected in my health. And so you have God's blessing. You see God's blessing, but you also doubt his presence. And you say, well, yeah, on the one hand, this good, I see the blessing. But on the other hand, where are you, God? What's happening? What's going on? What's taking place in my life? Maybe you've learned to trust God's heart through this. And you say, okay, God, I know you're good. I know you're gracious. I know you always provide. I know you heal. And so you've been able to trust God's heart, but you're doubting his ability. The longer this goes on, whether it's the pandemic or your unemployment, whether it's this societal stuff that's driving you mad or nuts or feeling like, what, what, what can I do about this? The longer things like that go on, the less you feel confident in God's ability to come through. Like, God, yeah, I, I trust your heart. I trust that you can do anything, but how come you don't? And so you find these two things growing up alongside of each other, simultaneously, side by side: the trust and the doubt. Maybe you feel like you've grown in faith, and yet 2020 has stretched you to the max, and you're like, "Man, I, I have more faith than ever before, but I don't know, um, I don't, I don't know what else I can do because I've, I've kind of at capacity in my faith. But the reason my faith has been stretched is because I'm so desperate for God to respond." God, we've been praying, we've been longing, we've been trying for a baby and yet there's nothing there. God, I've been hopeful, I've worked so hard to save and to plan and to budget and yet now I've had to exhaust all of that because of this condition. Or I cared so much about that person and tried to share the gospel with them and tried to share your love with them but they rejected me at every turn and now they're no longer here. And so you find these good things growing and these bad things growing alongside of it, and you thought, God, why don't you just remove this stuff? Could you just stop? Could you just stop it? Could you just block it or prevent it? And yet what we found is that God has allowed both the wheat and the weeds to spring up in our life throughout 2020. And listen, if that's you, if that's what you feel, if you can relate, if you, you know, can shout from your home and say, amen, yeah, like I get it because listen, I know it's not just me. I know there are others like me who feel the same way or are struggling with the same thing. And you're saying, okay, God, what should I do with this? If that's you, then I've got good news for you. I've got something to share with you. I've got a message I want to deliver with you or to you today because it's something that God shared with me. Listen, in God's time, here's the message. Here's the declaration for your life. And maybe even what I'm, speaking prophetically into your circumstance in God's time in God's time he will uproot the weeds he will separate them from the weeds and what will remain will be a harvest of impact A harvest of strength, a harvest of blessing, a harvest of potential. But it happens in his time. And listen, you might feel like things are coming to an end. You might feel like, oh man, this is a, I don't know that I can believe that. But listen, God will uproot the weeds of doubt. God will remove the seeds of despair. God will remove the weeds of obscurity or the weeds of failure or the weeds of problems and troubles, the things that have been growing alongside that you feel like are never ending or won't stop or there is no end in sight. Those things in his time, God will uproot those things and he will separate them from the good. And what will remain will be a harvest. And the reason I know that is because this is exactly what God, the reason I know this is true for you is because this is exactly what God has done for me. And I'll rewind several years back to 2014. Because back in 2014, our marriage, my, my wife and I, our marriage was in shambles. You can ask your pastor. You can ask Pastor Mike. We were a disaster on the brink of divorce, days away from meeting a divorce attorney before there was a divine intervention. And that's a whole other story for a whole other day that I hope to share with you one day in the future. But all you need to know is that when I say we were at our end, we were at our end. We're not for God intervening and not fixing the problem but giving us an opportunity to work through the problem. And by way of this divine intervention, my wife and I were able to work on our marriage, work through our relationship, work through the distrust and the brokenness. You see, there were some things that had sprung up in our personal lives and then also in our relationship in our marriage that were corrupting the good things that we were hoping for or that we thought we were signing up for when we said, I do. And God gave us the space for the next 24, 26 months, we went to couples therapy and counseling individually and and began kind of learning to troubleshoot our issues and how to rebuild trust and how to reconcile differences and how to earn, um, not love, but how to earn grace and favor in the way, or that sounds weird, but how to earn each other's trust so that we could show grace and favor to one another. And I remember so many times throughout those 24, 26 months between 2014 and 2016, we would ha- get in these conversations, my wife and I, and we would say, What in the world is going on? Like, what happened? How did we get here? How did we go from, like, on our wedding day saying, I do, you know, want to believe the best, you know, for better, or for worse? And, like, and we had these good things that we desired. We wanted a healthy marriage. We wanted a healthy family. We wanted to be a strong unit together. We had these desires for good things to grow in our relationship. Yet what we found or what we encountered and experienced were the bad things and negative and harmful things were growing up alongside of those good things. And so we would ask like ourselves or we would ask one another, we would ask God, like, why are these things growing up? Why were they allowed to grow alongside of what we thought was good? And it's like they're corrupting and attacking and, 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 and strangling the good things. And I remember in the spring of 2016, we kind of got to this place in our marriage where we felt like, okay, we, we've, we've turned the corner. Like We're finally like at a place of like health, where, where things are, are good, and, and we're moving forward, um, no longer from a place of hurt, but a place of hope. And, and, and we were, went to, to London, we went to the, uh, the UK for eight days, just my wife and I, and we were going to visit some friends. And so we spent a few days in London, then we we're going to head to the western part of England. And so we booked the train ride, about a two and a half hour train ride from London to a town called Hereford. And along this train ride, as we were going through the countryside, it's just like Harry Potter, exactly like what you would envision from Harry Potter. It was like that was real life. And so we're we're just kind of captivated by the scenery, these lush green hills, not quite mountains, but rolling hills. And all along this two and a half hour train ride, we would see fields of like yellow, just yellow flowers blooming all across on the hilltops and the valleys, and it was just so lush, you know, and so kind of dynamic. In fact, I've got to show you a picture, and so I've got a picture that we're put up on the screen because I can show you better than I can tell you. I mean, it was just so beautiful. And I remember we arrived to the train station. Our friends met us there. And, and so they, they said, well, how was the train ride? And we're like, oh, it was, it was lovely. It was just like Harry Potter. And, and then we said, you know, and my wife, Krista, she, she asked her friend Saz, like, what were all those yellow flowers? Like, there were just so many of them. They were beautiful. And, and Saz is like, what are you talking about? And she's like, there was, I mean, the hills, they were just covered with these yellow flowers. And she showed her a picture from, that we took while on the train. And, and Saz looks at her, she goes, oh, you mean rapeseed? And we're like, I don't know. if that, Is that what it's called? And she's like, yeah. She's like, she's like that's a weed That's a weed. She's like, farmers use it like in the off season or the off year when they're rotating their fields. And and so once they've harvested their crop in the next season or in the next year, they will plant rapeseed, this weed, because it grows up and it just kind of enriches the soil. But then they chop it down. And then the next year, they plant their crop that they really want to grow because it becomes more abundant or more fruitful because the soil has been enriched. And immediately in that moment, the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped this bomb on us that this is exactly what he had done. This was the parable that Jesus was talking about, the wheat and the weeds, that God had allowed some weeds to grow up in our marriage and in our lives. But one day there would be a lasting harvest. And here's what he said. Here's the message he delivered to us. He simply said this, the same soil, I wrote this down because i have never forget it, the same soil on which the weeds grew will be the place where I harvest purpose, hope, and meaning. And would you believe it that today, four years later, we have now been blessed to be able to minister and encourage and support couples from New York and all around the world who are struggling or have had challenges in their marriages and say, listen, this is what God did to us. The soil that grew where the weeds grew and it was a struggle and it was a tension is now the soil that has become enriched to deliver meaning and hope and purpose. And listen, if that's what God did for us, then I know without a shadow of a doubt that's what God wants to do for you. In your life, where the weeds have grown, when it comes to his time, he will separate them and what will remain will be purpose and meaning and hope. It doesn't matter if it's in your marriage. It doesn't matter if it's in your career, your joblessness, your physical health, your emotional health, whatever it is, when God separates the wheat from the weeds, um, what will remain will be something of lasting value, something that nourishes not just you, but the people around you. And listen, I don't want you to walk away from this message feeling inspired and not knowing what to do. So I wanna share three simple next steps that you can take and that you can use to live out this message and know and trust beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is cultivating and there is something new in you that through 2020 and in the years to come, God will produce something significant and something abundant and something that the world will cherish. So here's the first next step or the first uh, kind of, action that you can take from this is to let it grow, to let it grow. What I mean by that is to let the weeds grow. You see, I think when bad things happen in our lives, when things grow up that we didn't expect or we didn't envision, our default response is to try to remove them from our lives. Well, hey, I don't want this, so let me get it out of here. And yet, according to Jesus and according to the parable, the farmer said, no, don't remove them to the workers. That's not your responsibility. That's mine. It's not up to us to remove these things. God is using them with purpose and intentionality. Now, let me be very clear. If there is sin in your life, something you are doing that you know is against the ways and the work of God, then remove that. That's different. What I'm talking about here are things that are out of your control, job loss, your physical health, things like that that happen or occur that you didn't expect or plan for. Let it grow. Don't try to resist it. Don't try to block it. Don't try to root it out. Let it grow. Now, here's the second next step. Take account of the good. Take account of the good. Just as the farmer, just as Jesus spoke about the farmer, he said, they said, should we uproot or should we pull out the weeds? He says, no, because then you'll uproot the wheat. In other words, if you pull out the weeds, you're also going to pull out the good. So take account of the good. There's good things happening in your life. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's happened over the course of this year or the totality of your life. But I do know and I do believe that there are some good things that are taking place that God is growing in you and through you and around you. And if you can take account of them, what you'll find is that you're actually probably doing better than you think. And then the third and final next step is this. Dream of the harvest. Dream of the harvest. Going back to the parable, Jesus said that the wheat would be separated and stored in a barn. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a barn, but barns are big. And so there was going to be an abundance. There was going to be plenty. And that harvest was going to be something that enriched and nourished a multitude of people. And the same is true for you, you see, because when God works in your life, when God works through your life, God will bless you and God will multiply what he's doing in you to the benefit of those around you. And I believe this is what Jesus wants to do in your life. I believe this is what Jesus will do in your life. And I believe when it's all said and done, when the wheat has been separated from the weeds, what will be said of you if you remain steadfast in the Lord, if you abide in Jesus, what will be said of you is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 43, about this very same parable. He said this, then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. God will elevate you. He will put you on display and you will shine and you will be radiant. And what felt like a burden, what felt like a problem, what felt like a curse will become a blessing and will become a declaration of God's goodness to the world around you. So Journey Queens, it's been a pleasure to be with you today. I pray that you walk and live this message out in your life. And now I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Mike as he closes out today's service.